0: High. It's a deep. It's...
1: baseball show on friday may 27th jack McMullen, arm Layton, peter apple two cameras for three people peter you're coming to us you're skyping in you're zooming in from uh your typical pad in manhattan where are arm and i right now first question do uh, does anyone use skype still? i think people still use skype right like i feel like it's one of those like european things like whatsapp
2: i feel like zoom
0: just destroyed them Zoom just over. zoom now did yeah. you ever use Uvu in middle school? No, it's Uvu. It was it, it was,
1: yeah, it was like the video chat one. It was like almost Omegle, but with friends.
0: <laughs> that sounds horrible. It was All right, bad. Let's go back it, to
2: Alabama, Mississippi, before we get down to a deep dark. I,
1: I
0: did a recent dig on Uvu, though, real quick, and, and they, <laughs> they shut down a few years back. I, I looked this up recently. They shut down, citing lack of profitability, um, yeah, which yeah. makes sense. It's just a video chat platform, and that's it. Uh, but Zoom, you got to pay for it so that we can record these full-hour episodes, and, and that's what we're doing right
1: yeah, now. Yeah, if we kept every just baseball show to 40 minutes, we'd be chilling. I
2: we would be <laughs> our profit margins would be through the roof yes. right now. I just keep thinking about Omega with friends. Like I'm <laughs> oh, <close. yeah. laughs> that's all I keep thinking about. How gross that is. But let's Alabama, Mississippi. You're either you're in one of those states. Last time we talked, we spoke last night that you guys were traveling into Mississippi. Where are you? So we were in Hoover, Alabama for the
1: University of Alabama Invitational until about three this afternoon. We were hoping to see like so much college baseball, like borderline eight college baseball games. We saw two and both involved the Alabama Crimson Tide. I mean, rain Mm. wrecked Hoover in the SEC baseball tournament. Um, So we left Hoover yesterday morning and we drove to Biloxi Mississippi we're getting ready to go to the Biloxi Shuckers and the Montgomery Biscuits that's the double A for the Brewers and the Rays prospect laden
0: but this is like the casino capital of the southeast this is wild yeah i i was when we when we walked when we were driving up i'm like this is the vegas of the south it's i've never seen anything like it imagine we're just driving for hours trees nothing dilapidated buildings whatever and then all of a sudden you just see all of these casinos and and that's where we're at. We're just surrounded by casinos in a, in a double a ballpark, which apparently is very nice. So I'm excited to see that
2: best food so far, best player you've seen so far. Oh,
0: no doubt. The best food was that barbecue place in Hoover.
1: Martin's barbecue joint in Hoover. I think there were a couple of them. I think they were Nashville based, but Martin's barbecue joint in Hoover. Guy that served yeah. us was a legend. Yeah. The brisket was dilly. Deli- I mean, like, the brisket was perfectly fatty to the point where it was just a flavor injection. Can you tell everybody. this guy watches a lot of Guy Fieri? I love yeah. yeah. Arm funny. was kind of thrown when I had I had triple D on, on the uh, on the hotel TV. He was like, You watch this stuff all the time. I can't watch people. <laughs> you call it
2: triple D. <laughs> like he's yeah. like, just such diners, drivers, and dives. Is that what yeah, yeah. it's called?
1: Triple D. D. Trip-
0: triple I didn't D. know it was called triple D. I didn't know that.
1: Hey, I'm Guy Fieri and we're rolling out. Um, yeah. So we're in we're in Hoover right now. No, no, we're in uh, Biloxi right now.
2: Should we also tell the people what we're talking about today?
1: Yeah, we can do that as well. Um, What we're going to do is we're going to preview the weekend slate a little bit because, you know, while it may be relatively thin, there are a couple of high intensity series that we want to go over. Um, You've got Anaheim going to Toronto You've got the, the Yankees and Rays matching up for the first time of the season this weekend. Like, there are legitimate series that are going to make a serious impact. Um, you also want to talk a little bit about Vladdy. Mike Petriello wrote an awesome piece. Uh, and then, speaking of the Yankees, you and Ryan Finkelstein, back half of this episode, go over Aaron Judge, the type of contract year that he's having, and Fink stacked him up against other notable contract years.
2: Kind of fantastic. Had a great talk with our guy, Ryan, managing editor of Just Baseball, fantastic writer. You can find a lot of his work. He just wrote Is Aaron Judge having one of the best contract years ever, ranking the top 10? of those who've had the greatest contract years before they got the big bag. For example, like Marcus Semien is on that list, but Carlos Correa is not on that list. And I know Ryan's going to hear this episode. You guys were had a little bit of a fit earlier with Carlos Correa didn't make it. And I kind of agree with you, but what do you think? Did Carlos Correa have a better year than Marcus Semien did last year? For
1: what they were, like I think Correa was going to get a bag if he just had a season average year, but he set himself up for a mega bag. And the thing is like, I think we're also skewed a little bit because Correa could have signed a bigger deal than Seager. You know, I, I think we're sitting here saying could have should have, woulda now he signed that unique deal where it's a one plus one plus one. And, you know, we're not necessarily looking at this like, Oh, he got a bag after a contract year. If he did sign that, you know, 12 year, $340 million deal, like he could have, then we're sitting here saying, Oh my God, he had a great contract here.
0: Right. But I yeah. also I look at it from I think the reason why you see a in ranked here is like, what did he do the years before? And then what did he do in that contract year? Right. Like, right. like it's it's a comparison to almost what you've done previously. Like we've seen Korea, It was Correa's best all around season. He won the platinum glove. Yeah. Uh, it was his best power output we've seen. But at the end of the day, like it wasn't that far off offensively from some of the better years we've seen from him. Whereas Simeon, he had that one amazing year but we've never really seen Semyon kick it into that gear. So it was like this unlocking of another notch that we've never seen from really Marcus Semyon in that contract year, which makes it amazing. But with Correa, I think the platinum glove makes it a really, really valuable, uh, you know, contract year. I'd probably throw him in there, but I'm very interested to hear more from your guys' conversation because uh, that was a really cool article idea from Ryan. I'm I'm pumped to read it. I haven't even read it yet. Yeah, no, I haven't read it yet either. And another great article by
2: Mike Petriello, he wrote it. Um, I found the article on Baseball Savant, but it's also on MLB.com. It's basically blasted everywhere because it's one. Of, it's a fantastic article. And it's titled, The Book is Out on Vlad Jr. Can He Adjust? And the first line is, The Book is Out on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And he comes up with a couple of points. But the main thing, and I don't want to just you know basically read the article for you because I implore you to read it yourself. But the main thing that he was talking about – is that Vladdy hit a lot of high pitches in the air last year. And what they've been doing is they're pitching him very low in the zone. And he's also, his the fastballs against Vladdy have been 94.5 miles an hour. That's the fastest in all of baseball. So we're seeing a lot of high velo and a lot of pitches low in the zone. And what that has resulted in is the highest ground ball rate of his career. And now we're looking at a guy who has had a really bad May, And has an OPS just north of 800, hitting around 250. This is not the same Vladimir Guerrero Jr. that we saw last year. Yes, he
0: sucks now, right? He's got an 800 OPS. It's amazing. (laughs) No, but that's what we're
2: saying. If we've got to unpack something, it's he went from the greatest hitter of all time last year to now, right? It's still above average because it's Vladdy. it's,
0: It's amazing how how Vladdy being figured out to a degree is still a guy that's producing an 800 OPS in, in a game right now where a 700 OPS is, is above average. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's a, it's a testament to Vladdy, but at the same time, I mean, we're talking about, I mean, for, for the Blue Jays to be World Series contenders, Vladi needs to be the MVP candidate that he was last year. Yeah. And right now, you know, he, he's not that. I mean, he went yard, re, was it yesterday or today? I think it was two days ago. Two days ago. Uh, so, I mean, that's a good and sign. And that,
2: that broke his, he had this crazy long extra base streak of no extra bases at all. It was I think he was in the same realm as like Dunand, like just guys who just aren't that good. Like it took him almost I think it was three weeks without an extra base hit.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- that's definitely concerning. But you know what's wild about it, too, is that mostly across the game, what's the what's the biggest thing we're seeing across Major League Baseball right now? It's elevated fastballs, high spin, get guys to chase up. Vladdy, that was never going to work with him because he's so quick to the ball. So now we're seeing basically the opposite, the antithesis of the way we're attacking most good hitters in the game. And I just think Vladdy's going to make that adjustment, right? Like Vladdy figured out how to hit the way all pitchers are pitching to the best hitters in the game. Now they're doing it differently. and, And I just think he's too gifted to not figure it out. It's just lay off those. Or, you know, just just kind of tweak the approach a little bit. I don't see Vladdy struggling for much longer, really. I don't.
1: Well, and also from the bird's eye view, that's hilarious because five years ago, um, the original new thing to do was, oh, you have this really high spin fastball. Let's throw it at the top of the zone, right? Where it... Back then, I mean, back then was like 2014. The book there was, if you've got a good pitcher, chances are they're locating breaking balls at the bottom of the zone and they're throwing a fastball in the lower outside corner. And then all of a sudden, the high fastball became the sexy thing and nobody was seeing that before. Now that's the book to get a good hitter out like Aram's saying here. Um, But all of a sudden they're turning back to the breaking ball at the bottom of the zone here. Um, so arm and I were just talking about like how cyclical this game is. And uh, I, I do feel outdated at points. And we talk about this ad nauseum where, you know, I'm just saying like I love the Framber Valdezes of the world where they just get ground balls, they roll them. Uh, and I, I, I was thinking that could have made me a little bit of a dinosaur, but I also realized that I just feel like the game is more fun when you have a Framber Valdez on the mound as opposed to 10 punch outs and five walks in five innings. Um, I, I think I can opt out of that as, <laughs> as a baseball fan and as a baseball viewer. But yeah, I what's interesting about that is that's going to be the book on a lot of these guys that are coming up that are that are really good because in their formative years of professional baseball, how they rise through the ranks is against high fastballs as out pitches.
0: I, th- so yeah, that's the craziest thing. You watch minor league baseball. That's all that's being done. That's all you high see. High fastballs, high fastballs, high fastballs that's it if you can hit the high fastball you'll climb through the minor league so it is it is wild to see that because now you're getting to the bigs and guys can do both I mean that's what's made Verlander so good yeah. I wrote the piece on Verlander and how he's locating the fastball wherever he wants and that's why he's so good so again I think we're seeing baseball kind of come full circle some of the best pitchers in the game are going to do both and that's why we're seeing Tarek Skubel sinker down four seamer up like we're seeing that kind of stuff and that's what's standing out to me the most
2: I think just the reason I wanted to bring it up was because after that season that Vladdy gave us, I felt like there was almost no book at all. Like it was just, he's going to hit everything forever. And there wouldn't be a plan ever to kind of stop him. Not that he'd, you know, hit 48 home runs every year and always hit three thirty and, and be close to a triple crown, but kind of do that. Like kind of be in that conversation. And now that he's not, it's like, Oh, wow. MLB pitchers have actually learned this is how you pitch Vladdy. We know he's going to make the adjustments, but it is cool to look at. Wow, low in the zone, high velo has hurt Vladdy this year. Hurt Vladdy to his
0: standards. Yeah, what has hurt Vladdy? Well, because what what were we comparing him to, Peter? I mean, how many times did you and I it say was... Miguel Cabrera? <laughs> like... <laughs> you know, but like Miguel Cabrera, right? Like, yeah. What's the book on Miggy when he's at his peak? There was no book on Miggy. I mean, I'm sure there was a way where he could burn you the least, but it was really just mitigating. Throw balls. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, that didn't even work. He had the one intentional worked. walk single. That was one of the greatest things I ever saw as a kid. Um, but the other thing that stands out to me, the last thing I wanted to point out on bladdy is the chase rates up. So, you know, it does seem like he's a little bit out of sorts, just because whatever approach he had before isn't working because that's not how he's being pitched to. So, you know, it seems like he's just kind of out of his comfort zone. If you're, you know, chasing 7% more frequently, that's a big jump. I don't have it in front of me, but if you look year over year, that's got to be one of the biggest jumps even in a small sample size so far this season from last year. So, you know, I, I think he's going to be fine, but it is a really interesting topic because I mean, the Jays haven't been great, right? I mean, it's been a bad month for the Jays. Bo Bichette could be better as well. Uh, and Vladdy's got to be Vladdy if they're going to keep up with the Yankees and keep up with the Rays.
2: At some point, we ha- we have to look at it. We're 45 games through the season, you know, over 25%. It's like, all right, the best hitter in baseball last year, at least one of them, is not performing like that. Why? Well, we know why, but we know on top of that, he's going to make his adjustments.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I ask, is the book out on David Fletcher? Or what's the word there? Contact. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Vladdy and David Fletcher, massive series this weekend. And I'm using this to transition into our weekend slate here because you've got the Jays, in Anaheim taking on the Angels in a four-game set. And we're talking before Vladdy sees Shohei Otani, but after that he sees Chase Silseth, who's very intriguing, and I know Arm's got a little bit more on Silseth. And then he sees Michael Lorenzen on Saturday night, Then he wraps up the series on Sunday against Patrick Sandoval. That's going to be a really intriguing series for both of them because I think that... Uh, us as a collective are very high on the LA angels. We think that this might be the year that they figured shit out. Um, And you can literally just point to starter ERA by year. Like they are bottom third every year in starter ERA. And here they are with one of the best starter ERAs in all of baseball. They figured it out. A lot of it has to do with the front office, but they're putting it together on the field. Noah Syndergaard is having a great bounce back year. Michael Lorenzen looks like an awesome pitcher, which is so exciting to see. Um, but, you know, I'm really intrigued by by Silseth. And I'm wondering if you have a
0: little bit more information, Aram, on Silseth. So I, I got a text from, from a couple guys in the minors when Silseth got called up. And they were like, what is this? Like, how is Silseth uh, getting called up? Because not only did he get called up, straight from double. And, and this was somebody that really did not have much pedigree. I mean, he started in Tennessee, then transferred to Arizona, and, and like that was it. And he like, got a five and a half ERA in yes, Arizona. Correct. And then was an 11th round pick and then just jumps from double A to the big leagues. He came out this year and just looked like a different pitcher. V ticked up, command improved. And all of a sudden, he's a guy that's racking up Ks and weak contact and ground balls. And he's a heavy fastball guy. Like we've been talking about, another dude that throws heavy fastballs at the bottom of the zone, improved the breaking ball grip a little bit. The command has all of a sudden become really impressive. And now just another arm in this angel system. And now at the big league level, that's helping them. Uh, It's unbelievable what we've seen. And honestly, like I think he's going to have some ups and downs overall. He's been off to a great start so far, but I I expect this to kind of continue. He looks like a guy that figured it out. And obviously, you know, for for the angels to do this, they're not, they're not the Padres in terms of aggression with a lot of their guys. I know they called Detmers up quickly, but that was somebody that was one of the most polished pitchers, you know, we we had seen and also a first round pick. Are they not calling calling guys up quick? Are they I, Joe Adele? I feel like they are calling guys up quick. You think, you think the Angels are aggressive with guys? No,
1: I think that they are a lot more selective than San Diego is.
0: And it's pretty shocking to see them just go straight from double to big leagues for, with a guy like Sosa. They had to have seen something that they really like. And, and I think we're seeing that same thing to a degree. So if I'm not
1: mistaken, I think Detmers also made one parentheses, one start uh, with Triple A Salt Lake. Like this was a guy that, Struck out what 14 or 15 in a start in double A. Yeah, he struck out 16 guys in a start with double A. They were like, okay, so there's no point in doing this. Al Leiter said, you know, when in his draft, you know, review when the Angels took Detmer's 10th, um, they said, you know, Al, this is a guy that you think could get up quickly. He said, next year 2021 strikes out 16 guys in a start in double A, immediately gets the bump after that to triple, makes a start, looks good, and then makes his major league debut a start after that. Like, I, I think we're getting to the point, especially now where you see a Garrett Crochet make literally zero minor league appearances and, and still survive in a bullpen. I think with the high floor guys that they think they have, and, you know, a lot of the time we look at bats like that, you know, high floor, like they can survive a, a quick promotion with arms. It, they're turning into NFL running backs, right? You only have so much tread on those tires. Let's get them up while they're good. You know, why let him shove for a year in double-A when we could just get him up and
2: have him figure shit out at the major league level? 22 years old, mid to high 90s fastball, disgusting splitter. But I keep going back to it. Guys, 22 years old. That
0: feels pretty young at this point if he hasn't gone beyond double-A. And again, like, I think it's just the pitch mix, right? Like the VLO ticked up. you talk mid-90s. He was not mid-90s before. And then to have the disgusting splitter and a good slider with a fastball that ticked up, they are probably just like, he figured it out. Let's get him up to the big leagues and make sure he keeps doing it. Because yeah, uh, we we're talking about is. that too. There's a level of like bringing guys up to the big leagues and just letting them work with big leaguers. And, and I think there's some value to that. And like, he figured it out. Let's make sure he keeps doing it, you know, at the highest level. And it looks like he is so far.
2: 10 innings, 2.61 ERA so far. And he's got 10 strikeouts too. I'm interested to see how he'll pitch this weekend though. That is something to watch.
0: I, that's probably and- one of my favorite matchups to watch this weekend.
2: And another one of the things that's just been phenomenal to watch is Jock Peterson hitting home run after home run, after home run, after home run, after home run, run. this dude caught fire this past week. And it's funny. We heard a story. There was a story in the New York post that Jock Peterson and Lamont Wade spoke uh, 30 minutes before game time, before Jock hit all those home runs with Barry Bonds and they had a conversation and he said it made a big impact on him. I don't know what he could have said in the 30 minutes that, gave him three home runs i feel like that story was kind of paraded a little bit but it is kind of cool that that happened uh, listen if anybody has the the literal
1: textbook on hitting i, <laughs> yeah. I feel yeah. like it's him
0: right i it is a good point though like how much can it can someone tell you to, to just you know like here i i think jock got in a good state of mind yeah. Hit the first one out and it was almost like this placebo effect right it's like yeah dude i give you this blank pill and i'm like you know you're gonna have the best podcast ever and out of the gate you have like a fire intro and you're like oh wow it's working the rest of the podcast is gonna roll right like you're gonna the you're point. gonna be confident the rest of the podcast Like I feel like the cue was probably helpful and, and great but to be like oh this guy was struggling Barry Bonds told him something and now he hits four home runs in two games a little bit extreme but I will say the Marlins and I know I brought this up a couple episodes ago like Barry Bonds wasn't the best hitting coach in terms of like work work ethic and doing all the things that he needs to do for his job. But he would say little things to, to Christian Yelich and he would say little things to Ozuna and they credit some of those little tidbits to actually being things that, that really helped them unlock. So, you know, I think it's a combination of placebo, combination of a little cue that yeah. gets you right. It's like it's someone, the best in the world or the best of all time doing something and, and telling you, hey, this is how I did it well. This is what you should do. That's going to make you feel better about yourself, whether it actually works or not.
1: Yes, 100%. Um, and I can't let this moment pass by. Aram just said something that couldn't be more true. Podcasting is not for the mentally weak. I, I think everybody really understood that, right? When he made that analogy, like you need to be juiced up going into a podcast. Otherwise, I mean, that thing's going to flounder and you're out of a gig.
2: I, it's, it's big time. So, so true. Yeah, we're proving I mean- ourselves every day. I mean, it's incredible how mentally tough we are. About <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, I, I do how we, how we get through. It. I don't know how we do it. I don't know how we talk baseball with our friends. We must be so tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, it,
1: no, but I mean, I, I think a lot of it is placebo effect, like I'm saying, but I also think some of it is like placebo effect meets Midas touch here, mm-hmm. where, you know, you know how superstitious baseball players are. If they break their bat and use somebody else's bat and they hit a bomb,
0: they're, they're using not, the bat again. They're and, not giving the bat back, and they're yeah, crediting sure. the bat. Like that's that's a perfect example. And uh, but what I will say also though, hitting is so freaking weird and so you know you talk about a game of inches, and you could say every sport's a game of inches. Baseball is a game of millimeters, and a little cue, a little tweak, really can make a huge difference. So, I mean, this is the interesting thing. Jock Peterson was one of the lesser sought after names in the free agent market. I right? loved him, dude. And look what the I Giants Miami. did.
2: You know, surprise, I, surprise.
0: I wanted him in Miami, but here's the thing, right? Like Jock Peterson, even, even without this spurt here, I think is looking a lot better than a lot of the guys that we saw sign, including the guys that the Braves decided to bring back. I know Eddie Rosario has been hurt and you, you know, you got to give him a, cut him a little bit of slack there. And, you know, he's dealing with, with an eye thing as well. But I, I mean, you just look across the game, even the Marlins going with Avi Garcia, uh, several other teams going with other outfielders for multi-year deals. Give me Jock Peterson on a one or two year deal. Clearly that was all it took. And uh, th- this guy's not only fun, he has the spurts to be able to win you ballgames.
1: And guess where Jack goes this weekend. Cincinnati,
2: great American ballpark.
0: He's going to hit so many
2: home runs. You know, right (laughs) now, um, if you look at Park Factor and baseball savant, great American ballpark in Cincinnati, more offense than Coors Field. That's where it's at right now. Huh. Maybe because Herman Marquez is the Cy Young Award winner so far. (laughs) You know what I'm pissed about on Sunday? Sunday night baseball is Kyle Gibson versus undecided for the Mets. It's another Phillies-Mets game that's probably just going to be crazy. it's gonna be a it's gonna be a sick game, but Yankees Rays. It's McClanahan versus Luis Severino. Why is that not Sunday Night Baseball?
1: Uh, they have Tampa bias. Like that's the thing. Yeah. It's it's either got to involve the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Mets, or the Phillies. And if you can get both of them in a matchup,
2: oh my god, let's do it. Like why isn't Royals Twins on Sunday Night Baseball?
0: So, Peter, <laughs> I have a question for you:
2: Zach Greinke versus Sonny Gray.
0: Perfect. Oh, that's a lot. Perfect. Actually that's actually sick. That's a great game. I have a question for you, Peter. Cause uh, <laughs> I, I, I always joke that like strength of schedule does not matter. And I don't really think it matters in baseball. Cause I think baseball, you're getting a fair shot. Every everybody plays. Everybody teams. plays everybody. But I will say it has been interesting the way it's structured so far that the Yankees have not played the Rays yet. Right. And yeah. the Rays are okay. arguably one of the best teams in baseball. I think it's stupid to be like, Oh, the Yankees are off to a great start because they avoided the Rays. I think that's dumb. What I don't think is dumb. What I think is a fair question is like, if the Rays, let's say, and I don't think they will, but if the Rays knocked the Yankees around in this series, would you look at it and be like, whoa, you know, did we get off to a little bit of a lucky start? Or would you just say, hey, it's a good rivalry. The Rays always give us their best punch. Um, I think this Yankees team still feels pretty good. It's such a good question
2: because right now, right now, the Yankees, I feel like, are going about to get into an offensive lull. And, I'm a you little know, worried about. I don't miss many Yankee games. I've been watching them. The way the offense has started to tick down, like I've seen this story before, they are the hottest team in the nation and and they'll win 30 to one in most games. And then the next game, then it's two to one and they start striking out a bunch. They're going to have a tough time versus the Rays. The Rays are most likely going to win this series. But knowing that, and maybe I'm setting myself up for an excuse later, but I don't think I am. I think I'm really seeing a Yankees offensive lull coming. And we know this team is going to go through ups and downs. It's how it is. So if the Yankees don't hit... I'm not going to be that worried if the Rays offense crushes the pitching. That's that's what I'm going to be nervous. That's fair. If, if the hitting doesn't, I'm going to be like, all right, we're just getting into a lull. If the Rays just crush, like Garrett Cole is going to face Corey Kluber. I'm interested to see how Cole pitches. You know, I'm interested to see how Nestor pitches, you know, recording on Thursday, but release on Friday, interested to see how he does. So all of those different matchups, I am not as much the offense.
0: Well, I was going to say, because if the Rays are scoring, let's say five runs a game or four runs a game against the Yankees, you're not going to win many of them, right? Like you you know that that that's going to be the challenge, right? You know, it's going to be hard to score runs against the Rays, even when the offense is good. So if the Rays are scoring on what is a really good Yankee staff now, I think it's very clear that this Yankee staff is really good. Yeah. It, their work's going to be cut out for them so I, I was interested to see what your thoughts were because I saw John Heyman had made a note about you know how, how the the Yankees have not played the Rays yet I thought it was a little bit of an exaggeration in terms of like gauging how good the Yankees have been based on that but I do think that this is a good barometer and a good test for the Yankees with their offense maybe sputtering a little bit can they rise to the occasion against you know I, I really think the Rays Yankees rivalry I know nothing will ever beat Red Sox Yankees Oh I, feel I know you. that's. But I think Rays Yankees, in terms of individual disdain, I'm talking about the players. I think there's just much just as much contention there between those two teams as there is Red Sox Yankees. If not more with the Rays, I'll even go
2: a step farther. I think
0: there's more contention. It's just just not the fan base.
2: Yankees White Sox seems more electric sometimes than Yankees Red Sox. The Yankees Red Sox rivalry has not been the same. I think the Rays, to your point, agreed. And the White Sox, they're developing this great rivalry too, even though that's kind of off the backs of Josh Donaldson, you know, being an idiot, but it is what it is. (laughs) And um, so that's kind of the point that we're at now. Yeah, 100%. Um,
1: one more real quick for you guys, uh, but before we get to that game of the year on Sunday afternoon, Rowansi Contreras against Mackenzie Gore in Pirates-Padres. That's gonna gonna three be years,
2: that game matchup. is going to be unreal.
1: Dude, Rowansi Contreras and McKenzie, like that is as intriguing a young pitching matchup as we've got in Major League Baseball right now. But um, listen, Houston's in Seattle this weekend. If Houston just dogs the Mariners, like are we fully on the panic button for Seattle?
2: I think I already am. Yeah. How about you, Mr. Fun Differential? No, but seriously, I mean, think about it for a second. Like, are they better than the Angels? No. Are they better than the Astros? No. Are they better than the Blue Jays? No. Are they better than the Rays? No. Are they better than the Yankees? No. Are they better than the Twins? No. Are they better than the White Sox? Probably not. Dude, that's really impressive what you just did. That was hang awesome. hang
0: he just answered his of- own question nine times in like <laughs> five seconds. I was actually- that was so quick. Yeah, that, was- that was a bar, dude. Man, that was a that was actually a bar. But also, can we put the can we put like
2: the music that we put at the beginning? Can we just like slide it under that? No, we'll just put violin underneath.
0: Yeah, the- perfect. <laughs> Peter freestyling. No, but like, uh, do you disagree with any of those? Like, no, like you don't even have to think about it. And here, it's probably my fault because I started supporting the Mariners publicly. Yeah. um, And you know, that's just what happens. And it's also Robbie Ray's fault. <laughs> anytime I could. Yeah. It is yeah. also the guy, the, the, the <laughs> any, and any chance
2: Flexen is bad. Not yeah. like he's have he's, he does. And how
0: it. about Winker? Yo, Reds fans were freaking out. And I think Winker is going to be better. I still think he's going to be good. Right. But like Reds fans were bugging out about it and yelling at me. No, don't tell me that this wasn't that bad of a trade. Don't tell me anything positive on my team. It's not that bad of a deal. I mean, Eugenio Suarez hasn't been lighting the world on fire either, and they cleared that money up, and we'll see what the Reds do. But uh, I'm definitely concerned about the Mariners. I don't think they stack up with any of those other teams. I think that they're heading in the right direction in terms of personnel, um, and getting Kyle Lewis back is a great step. Hit a ball 110 miles an hour in his first game back. They're going to play better. I think they'll hang around 500. But, you know, with with how good the American League is and uh, all the teams that Peter just rattled off, I don't see how the Mariners get in.
1: Yeah. Right, Jack? To you? No, I don't. Yeah.
2: I mean, that's just kind of where we're at right now. There
1: we go. Enough said. Uh, before we get to thinking
2: contracts, uh, oh, wait, before we move on, a- one, thing about, one thing about the Astros. I was talking about this. I'm not gambling advice. I just, the stat is crazy. And I just wanted to say it.
0: I'm in for crazy. The stuff. Astros
2: have played 45 games this oh, year. I saw this. 33 of them have gone under the total in a betting thing. 33 games have gone under in Astros games.
1: 33 best of the 45.
2: Baseball. Sorry, 33 of the 45, 73.3 percent best in baseball.
0: That's, That's incredible, right? That's a testament I I, to what I guess their pitchers overperform or performing better than Vegas would expect them to. Verlander, Fromber, I mean, you've
1: got a bunch of other guys that are performing well.
2: Or another Keating. Astros, another Astros. One I want to throw at you, Colby and I were debating, and he said in a fantasy lens, but I feel like this can be, you know, put
3: towards real a regular baseball lens, lens. Yeah, real, real world
2: lens. lens how many pitchers do you want over verlander right now
0: true not many
2: i said burns and i actually like had trouble continuing
0: how many pitchers yeah. are you taking over verlander jeff I'm i mean taking robbie right hurt.
2: Okay. No, but seriously, like, are you taking Walker Buehler right now? Are you taking Julio Arias right now? Are you taking Woodruff? No. Are you taking Cole? Probably not. Are you no, ta- like, I, like I, it's like, so I'm,
1: you
0: know, I'm borderline, I
2: was like, I don't know. I'm
1: borderline like attracted to Walker Buehler. So like, <laughs> I, I, that's, that's close for me, but I, I'd still say Verlander. Honestly, I'd probably say, what about Gossman? Right not Gosman. I, I don't like, trust it. I don't
0: trust the, the, the tale of two halves last year. It could be tell it's,
1: Again, I'm not even borderline attracted to this guy. Like, I'm full blown attracted to really McClanahan. Him. I think Mac- I think McClanahan might be the only guy that I might be running with over Verlander. But even then, I like, I still I still am not convinced whatsoever. Like, I think it's Verlander. I think he's the top dog.
2: You know, Verlander's throwing harder now than he did in 2014. Yeah, yeah dude. It's I kind of cool.
0: I, I, <laughs> I'm, <kinda> cool. <laughs> I'm all in on Verlander too because I wrote uh, now that I wrote that piece and dove into the numbers and just like made my whole Verlander case. I feel like I have to say Verlander, but. I even just tried to look at it, like pulled up F war leaders by pitchers to see if there's someone that's just slipping my mind. No, there's really not. So give me Verlander and also a good time to collect Verlander's cards, because not only is he already a hall of famer, he is going to just now solidify and, Full, like he's gonna put himself I, I said in the article he's our modern day nolan ryan he says he wants to pitch for five more years if he does that he is our modern day nolan ryan this motherfucker said he wants to win 300 games like, okay that's, well, yeah, that, that's that's not happening that's bizarre what, dude, 15 wins for the next five years oh wow he theoretically could he theoretically could win 300 games he Wants 300 wins if, if he if he racks up 300 wins in today's game I'm putting him top five pitchers of all time conversation. Dude, I'm making a shrine for him in my basement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean. 300 wins in today's game is, is just outrageous, but dude, he won 21 games in 2019. Oh, God. That's the last full season we've seen from him. Yeah, dude. I Already mean, six wins this year. I'm in. Starts. I'm in. He's going to win 300 yeah, games. So we agree.
1: Um, loop, real quick. Arm and I have been on the hunt for Bowman baseball <laughs> in Target, and Walmart, all across Alabama and Mississippi, and nobody has them. So really the only place that you can realistically get Bowman baseball whenever you want is on loop. And I love that I can get it through wild cards trading. Our guys T and Kendall on loop now.
0: Yeah, so they are on, they're selling, um, which is super exciting. We also are going to have a live stream on the Sunday night, so the 29th, with uh, a couple of different prospects in AA, very notable prospects, so if you download the Loop app with the link in our description, not only will you get $20 to spend on the app, but you also will be able to hop into our live feed and Ask any questions to the minor leaguers that we'll have with us, whether it's questions about signing the cards that you're trying to pull and the whole process of it, because it's actually really interesting how these players do it um, and, and how it all goes down, or just asking them about baseball and you know the, 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 just any prospect questions that you have. But Peter, it's refreshing for me. I get to turn it on you. So there was a bleaker trading night. So bleaker trading is, is one of the best card shops around. And Loop did a co-branded trade night out there in new york at their store and bleaker trading is literally on bleaker street in new york awesome over there um and they initially were going to do it a couple of weeks ago i was going to go now we're on this trip and i'm so pumped that you and kobe were able to go you guys had a great time and uh and any highlights uh any cards that really stuck out to you uh, i know one kid ripped uh, a joshua bias what was that how did that go down
2: Okay, so we're just at this loop event and this guy buys, you know, five packs of cards and he's just pulling them, you know, in front of, and he pulls this $3,000 card just out of nowhere. I think he spent like 20 or 40 bucks on the packs, pulls a $2,800 card. Unbelievably beautiful. Sells it at the event. This <laughs> person's just putting $100 bill, $100 bill, $100, $100 bill, $100 bill, up to $2,800 bills. He just takes it away, and this kid is not our age. He's probably 15, and what I loved the most, not even the money, was how stone cold this kid was. God, I'm telling you, when he sees the money, it looked like he does this every other week because he's probably <laughs> on loop all the time doing this. <laughs> the stone coldness in his eyes. Like, we're watching. I'm fired up for him. He's like, what? It's just another day at the office. <laughs> my bad. That was my phone. Another day at the <laughs> office for me. It was... That stone cold kind of look so, like Dame Lillard after you hit a game winner. Like so that he, was so the vibe.
0: Bang. So wait, he didn't even, he didn't even buy a whole box. It was just a few packs, few packs. So Joshua bias, by the way, he, it's his Bowman first auto in there out of five was the card that was pulled and uh 18 year old over slot guy. He really got first round money in 2021 uh, for the Cardinals. Really talented player, a ton of upside, but, dude, I'm selling that in two seconds, right? Like, this guy's 18. I don't want to He literally sold it, it in two
2: seconds. Like, yeah, two
0: literally seconds. and figurative, he sold it in two seconds. He, he pulled up a card, looked
2: up the comp, and said, this card's worth 3000 Who wants it? Some guy said, I'll give you 2800 He's like, deal. Unbelievable. Unbelievable.
0: It was and he only so got, like, $20. cool. $20? Only, maybe yeah. 40 there you go you, you use your free credits and take a shot
2: that's what i'm saying also if you use your free credit you get a free 20 dollars just for using our link it, it's in our episode description you click the link download the loop app you get 20 free bucks i was saying on the live and i was saying with ryan later in the episode too that you're going to hear it but i want to sell it to you guys the hourly wage of downloading loop think about this it takes you probably 30 seconds to click the link and download you get 20 bucks average that out over a minute that's 40 bucks over yeah. an hour. That's twenty four hundred bucks an hour for downloading Loop. Technically, yeah. yeah. Technically. Galaxy brain, Peter. <laughs> that's what I'm so mentally tough.
0: Retire for. now. Yeah, I'm you so mentally now. tough for Down-
2: podcasting.
1: Down- download the podcast Loop. And no you
0: day. never have to work again.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. don't have to do something as mentally taxing as podcasting.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm already. I'm running out of gas, man. I'm tired. All right, uh, time Can't for you.
2: Call this mentally tough for podcasting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, uh, we're done
1: laughing now. You and Ryan Finkelstein on Best Contracts. Here we go. What's
2: going on, everybody? I'm here with Ryan Finkelstein, managing editor of Just Baseball, who just wrote a fantastic article on JustBaseball.com titled, Is Aaron Judge on Pace for the Greatest Contract Year Ever? And that's what we're going to talk about today because Aaron Judge currently leading the league in home runs. But there's also a list here that I felt is also just as interesting because we have 10 players back in time who've had some of the best years, contract years before getting the big back. So Ryan, I'm curious
3: just what brought you to kind of want to write this article in the first place. It's because, you know, Aaron Judge coming into the season, obviously the big story was they didn't come to terms on that contract. So this is going to be a huge contract year for them. The Yankees are the best team in baseball And you're looking at his stats right now. And it's just absurd. You know, the WRC plus of 209, 17 home runs. I did the math on it. He's on pace for a 60 home run season. And I thought, has anyone ever won an MVP going into a contract year or hit 60 home runs going into a contract year, had a WRC plus over 200 in a contract year. And what I found out going through history is, I mean, there has been an MVP, but there hasn't been anyone that's done the collection of all of it. So it was really kind of interesting to go back. And I was thinking, how do I do this? Because, you know, free agency started in 1972. Am I going to go back? Like maybe Reggie Jackson had a great free agent in here. year. I don't know. It was too much. So I just did 2000 because I figured that was when free agency started to get crazy. Uh, when the nine figure deal started happening, when a was about to hit free agency and I knew he would be featured pretty heavily on this list. It's actually nine players because a Rod's on it twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to look through it and basically what I did is I went to baseball reference and I just I went through each contract year and just kind of picked out the top guys and was able to come up with a list of 10 there.
2: And the list of 10 is kind of fantastic. So let's start at number 10 and you dated back to 2000, but this one was just last year with Marcus Semyon in 2021 with the Toronto Blue Jays, where he set the record for home runs from a second baseman. And now we see him with Texas, although he started off really slow and a lot of people were sounding the alarms, he has been better lately. And I think that contract will end up working out. He is just too good of a player to doubt, but at number 10, it was interesting that you put Marcus Semyon, huh?
3: Yeah. You know, I could have put Correa. There was, there's a bunch of of different contract years I could have put. I I wanted to have a couple on this list of guys that really jumped in their contract year. And for Simeon, the 45 home runs, you know, he won his first silver slugger, first gold glove, all-star. Like it was clearly the best year of his career um, in a contract year. And then he gets all this money. I do think it's a little interesting that he has struggled out of the jump, but I, I think he'll be all right. I just don't know if he's going to hit 45 home runs again.
2: I don't think he's going to hit 45 home runs again. It'll be interesting to see his stat line at the end of the year, but someone who had an insane stat line in 2012, that was Josh Hamilton, who had a 141 WRC plus, hit 43 bombs. My thing with Josh Hamilton is just, if he stayed healthy, if he stayed with the off the field troubles, could have been one of the great hitters of all time.
3: Yeah, you look at the five-year run in Texas before he's, he gets that new contract. I mean, 150 home runs, a batting title, an MVP, uh, the, the, one of the most electric home run derby performances ever. The guy was so good. And it was you know, one of those contracts where I think as soon as he signed it, everyone was a little bit just, just curious how it would end up unfolding. And unfortunately, kind of every, every concern you could have had ended up kind of playing out there in, in Los Angeles. And then he, he goes back to Texas and ultimately his injuries that, that I think ended the career. But uh, yeah, definitely one of those guys. that's one of the, the biggest what-ifs I think of the last like 20 years.
2: In that five-year span, he had 150 home runs and in 2010, he hit 359, 411, 633 with 32 bombs to win Crazy. an AL MVP. Crazy. Was, I mean, 359 with that kind of power <laughs> and the power to win a home run derby. Like, man, I just wish he stayed healthy his entire career. But number yeah. eight, Anthony Rendon in 2019 with a 155 WRC+. This is a guy who has dealt with some injury concerns and some long injuries, and his career so far with the Angels has not been great. But, man, was he good with the Nationals. I mean, holy shit was he good with the Nationals.
3: If you want to just talk about team and personal success, this could be, like, the greatest contract year ever. To win a World Series on a contract year, I'm even thinking about doing a follow-up. I had. I wasn't sure if I was going to do just position players or pitchers. So there's a top five I can do off some pitching seasons and Strasburg would be on there. Also, both of those guys in contract years to win a world series. And yeah, I mean, Rendon never an all-star before 2019 was an all-star, obviously third, I think an MVP. Uh, Yeah. Just, just a great season.
2: Anthony Rendon. Unbelievable. And our friend Jack McMullen said he was never a top three third baseman. I don't know if I took that take because he clearly was. In, in
3: 2019, he was. In, in 2019, 2019, he was.
2: clearly was. I mean, oh, oh, a WRC plus almost at 150 with a World Series title. Yeah, that's going to put you in there. And he was playing great defense at the time too. But number yeah. seven is a guy who hit even better. And I don't know if he was a better defender, but man, could he hit. Alex Rodriguez in 2000 with a 158 WRC plus all the way back to 2000. Do you remember A-Rod's 2000 season? It must have been incredible no
3: no I remember Arod. I don't remember Arod the Mariner at all I that's just remember, why we asked
2: because I'm you know I was born in 1997 when were you born 95 95 so we don't really know 2000 but we see the stats and they were crazy
3: yeah yeah and, and that's the thing is A-Rod was I really feel like A-Rod almost like birth free agency like, like, like because he was just that first one you know to hit free agency I can't remember it was like 24 yeah after his age 24 season so 25 years old Able to sign a 10-year contract. And then what he did in Texas, like we, we talk about uh Josh Hamilton. Arod a- averaged 50 home runs in three seasons in Texas with 130 RBIs a season a- and won his first MVP and, and two gold gloves. Everyone obviously is a Yankees fan. I mean, how, how did you process that? The whole Jeter at the time you're probably like, Yeah, Jeter has to be a shortstop, right? Even though Arod was obviously the better defensive shortstop.
2: I had no idea what defense for unsaved was back then. (laughs) I don't think a lot of us did. At the time, it was clear. It's like, you got to put Jeter at shortstop. He's one of the best defenders at shortstop because that's what the eye test told us. But now that we know with range metrics, didn't have any range, couldn't get to those balls. So those balls that went up the middle, maybe they could have been grabbed by A-Rod, but it wasn't an error by Jeter because he straight up didn't get there. So looking back, of course, A-Rod probably should have fit there. But then again, it was Derek Jeter in Yankee Stadium, even if he is the worst defender ever. Still, there's
3: the my question though. So, so it is funny going through this list because you have Giambi coming up also. And, and you, I just was looking over a lot of that, that period between the four uh, world series in five years and the 2009 world series. You think they maybe win an extra world series if they had the right shortstop playing there in the playoffs? I'm just no, wondering because as, just wondering.
2: A- as a rod aged as well, it's not like his range was great. No. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So and that's the
2: a- thing too. If we had like prime Texas, you know, and Mariners, A-Rod, yeah, clearly, I mean, he should have been at short, but the way he was aging and, you know, hawked up on steroids and his and his hips weren't working, no, I don't think he would have been a much better option at shortstop, and I don't think that that defense would have taken us from a playoff contender to a World Series favorite, I
3: don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he actually was a pretty good third baseman too. People forget that he actually was pretty solid over there.
2: And it was probably the right move for him over there too, as he aged. And number six is a guy whose career just ended way too soon, way too soon. One of my favorite players of all time, honestly, Prince Fielder at number six in 2011 He straight up destroyed baseballs, but he was also super disciplined in doing so. How about walking more than he was striking out with 38 home runs? I just can't believe he had a
3: 4.7 F war on top of it too. Yeah. The defense really hurt him a little bit there. Yeah. Uh, And it it is funny that, that uh, Ryan Braun took his MVP with all those steroids. He was taking. speaking of steroids guys. Uh, But yeah, one of the things also, like I, I love Prince Fielder. I said on here, he's my favorite player on this list. The fact that that dude with that body type, like only missed 13 games over eight seasons. Then he had a stretch where he's basically playing 162 every single year. Uh, his first two years in Detroit, after he signs the contract, he plays 162. Uh, just not the guy you would have expected to have a career-ending injury, but the next stuff um, ended up costing him. And he, he'd probably still be playing. He's 38 still right now. Now you have he'd probably 40. still
2: be playing. And and at least for me, and maybe tell me tell me if, if you think differently, I thought that contract was going to work at the time of signing it.
3: Yeah, I thought that no, was a good
2: contract. He had proved he could stay healthy for years. And then there's just some freak thing. Like, I don't blame the Tigers for that at all.
3: And honestly, the Tigers traded him right before it happened, too. They got out of it. They, they, they had him for two years. I think they sent, like, $30 million back to the Rangers or whatever in that trade. And I think it was, like, a was it Kinsler. I think Ian Kinsler went back to Detroit or something like that. But, yeah, uh, they, they kind of got in and out of the, of the Prince Fielder business right on time. But uh, it, it is such a shame. The guy was so awesome.
2: And one of the greatest right handed hitters of all time, in my opinion. I remember being four or five and being genuinely scared of Manny Ramirez, nightmares of Manny Ramirez. And in 2000, same year as A Rod, he was better. I don't know if he was better, but 182 WRC plus hit 350 with 38 bombs, walked almost as much as he struck out. Again, a 4.8 F4 because he can't play any defense, but man, did he hit.
3: That's the thing is uh, there was a couple guys that were better than Aaron offensively and, and Manny uh, Manny in Cleveland the thing that that jumped out to me it, you look at the RBI totals it's insane 165 RBIs in 99 he had 122 RBIs in 118 games getting <laughs> more than an RBI a game in 2000 like like there's there's a stretch here a two year span where he plays 265 games and drives in 287 runs for the Indians and in th- a, a three year stretch if you go back to '98, where he had about 450 over three years. Insane, insane. One of the like, great, like,
2: one of the great run producers. So clutch with runners in scoring position. You know Manny Ramirez is getting hit. That's also the big thing about RBIs, because a lot of people hate RBIs. They're like, you can't analyze a player with RBIs. You know, it's chance. It's if they have more runners on base, that's how they get it. And I get that. And I'm not, I wouldn't say you should use RBIs to compare players, but I think it is an added plus when it's clear that people are just run producers. Some players are just automatic run producers. Nolan Arenado comes to mind. Salvador Perez comes to mind when there are runners on base, they are better. Yeah. And that's why like, and that's what Manny Ramirez is.
3: And and like this year you're seeing Pete Alonso do it. I, I think that, with the RBIs, you have to go case by case. Like I remember Wilson Ramos in his first year with the Mets drove in over 70 runs, but I think like 30 or 40 of them came with, Like he just got up with the bases loaded all the time and just hit little singles and picked up two RBIs. It wasn't as impactful, but you see like a Pete Alonso this year and anytime there's a runner on third with less than two outs, Pete Alonso is going to get that run in every single time. So there's certain guys and Maynard Ramirez was the greatest example of this that, you know, when there's runners on, they will, will change their approach. They'll get a base hit when they can pick up easy RBIs and then also have the ability to, you know, get a bunch of RBIs when you hit 40, 50 home runs a season too.
2: And number three, we have another one of the great run producers in the 21st century. And that's Jim Tomei back in 2002. Well, uh, uh,
3: uh, you skip Beltre, man.
2: Ah, shit. I skipped Beltre. Forget everything you heard about Jim Tomei. Adrian Beltran, who is also one of the great run producers. He put up 121 RBIs, 2004 with a 161 WRC+. Plus. Didn't walk a ton, but barely struck out. This is one of the better bat-to-ball guys as well, and that makes sense. He hit 334, and he was just swinging at everything because he didn't walk too much, but, man, could he hit again.
3: <laughs> to me, it's just funny that, that he's the one you skipped over because he's the name on this list that – doesn't quite fit. Like, like his contract was less than all these guys. Purpose. Yeah. And, and you know what his two contract years, like he, he goes to Seattle once a couple of gold gloves, but really didn't do anything offensively. Then he goes to Boston and hits like almost 50 doubles in a season, just peppering the green monster. But yeah, I could not believe he had a 48 home run season in a contract year in LA. That's insane.
2: Insane, especially in LA too, which is a bigger ballpark, and, it, yeah. and the the weather is thick. It's hard to hit home runs there. Not only is it big, but the weather, especially in the
3: summer, gets hard. Yeah, and he's and you know what the the two Hall of Famers on this list you mentioned Jim Toma, He's the one I think Beltra will be the other. He's in the three thousand hit club, so I don't know when he comes up. He might be next year's class for all I know, but uh, I got to imagine Beltray gets in. I think he'll, I
2: don't think he'll be a first ballot, but I do think he gets it ultimately. A
3: bunch of gold gloves too. I mean, I don't remember how gold many, gloves. but yeah.
2: And then again, I, I ruined it, but Jim Tomei is at number three in 2002, like I said, 189 WRC plus, almost a 20% walk rate. And if we're talking to F war, like we're talking all these sluggers, you know, who hit 350 with 40 bombs, but only had a 4.7 F war. This guy's at 7.3. He could even pick it too.
3: Yeah. The, the guys that are getting on base at a close to four fifty clip and also slugging close to 700. That's insane. Like that's going to work I, the quick math on that OPS. I can't figure out for you, but still 52 home runs. Uh, there was three guys that had 50 home runs, actually two it's, it's Tomei and A-Rod. And then I'm imagining judge will be the third this year. We'll see what happens. But yeah, Jim Tome was just a beast in Cleveland. And then the next year, still hit was a 47 for the MLB lead in his first season with the Philly
2: hall of famer. All right. Moving on to number two, a rod is on the list again in 2007. I'm actually surprised you put this one this high Um, because I feel like there was other seasons for, I mean, he had a 9.6 F4. I kind of see what you're saying, but there, there have been maybe better offensive season. Why was it? Why was this season by Alex Rodriguez at number two?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously it's his before the second 10 year contract, you know, he opts out of the deal. So it, it qualifies. it's one of those weird ones where I was like, is it technically a contract year if you still had three years left on your deal? But when you're a rod and everyone knew he was going to opt out of that contract, it Clearly. was controversial the way they announced it, but everybody knew. And, and you look at the numbers, like he led the league in everything that year, he led the league in runs home runs, RBIs, slugging OPS OPS plus, just clean clean sweet best hitter in baseball won the MVP uh, you know the I think the you know actually the only person ever at this point uh, to win an MVP in a contract year from from my uh, research since 2000 because we could talk about in a minute how uh, Giambi got completely snubbed uh, I'm about to trash Ichiro people so uh, spoiler alert
2: Let's talk Jason Giambi because Jason Giambi is at number one on this list. And I like how you added the gif of because he gets on base because he had a 477 OBP that year, a 193 WRC plus hit 342 with a 9.2 f And that f is so incredible because I know for a fact that Jason Giambi is one of the worst defensive first baseman I've ever set my eyes on. Yes. Am I 24 years old? Have I not set my eyes on, 40, 50 years of first baseman? No, I haven't. But with these eyes, these younger eyes, they saw Jason Giambi and they saw one of the worst defenders I've ever seen. So the fact that he is a 9.2 F4 is just incredible.
3: It's funny just how I was remembering different like throwaway lines from Moneyball as it related to this season. Like you just talk about the defense. I remember them saying like, you can get anyone to play first base. Giambi was playing first for us. Like it's not like he's a good first baseman and trying to, to accumulate the on-base percentage of Damon and Giambi, and you see that it was really just Giambi that they had to – like Johnny Damon was good, but it was Jason Giambi that they had to try to replace because his numbers were insane. And I talked about the Ichiro thing. So in 2000, Giambi wins the, the one MVP of his career, the year before his, his contract year. Hits 333, 476 on base, 647 slugging. Guy was unbelievable. 137 RBIs, 183 WRC+. plus. That was a 7.7 F4 season. His next year, it was, the, as you said, the 9.2 F4 season. Ichiro wins the MVP. Uh, his F4 was the same thing as Giambi's year before, 7.7. He led the league in hits, but it was all the batting average. You have Giambi gets on base 100 points more or 100% or whatever. Uh, 100% that I am butchering this. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That's one of those things you just got to stop yourself and acknowledge how shitty you just talked. Uh <laughs>
2: i do it but, constantly i do it once an episode normally it's yeah, like yeah you just minute. gotta lead i didn't believe it, anything i just said or all of that was just a bundle of words because you get so many things firing in your head at yeah, some moments yeah. so many stats and you're just like wait a minute i'm not even speaking english right now
3: so fuck the on base percentage yeah, you look at it. his ops right his ops was 300 points higher than suzuki's suzuki won an mvp with an 838 ops like come on and so that would have been back-to-back MVPs into, into free agency, which, I mean, never done been done before.
2: The numbers would show that you're right, but I'm fine giving it to Etro. Etro was way cooler, didn't take steroids, and was just more fun to watch than Jason Giambi. So even if the numbers don't
3: say it, I, I still want to give the MVP to Etro because he's way cooler. I, I guess, I guess. But if we're trying to acknowledge who the most valuable player is, it wasn't Etro. Etro, Look, it might be a future uh, future article. I know everyone loves Etro, but guy's a little overrated, man. He's a little bit overrated. Maybe by the numbers,
2: but not by his play. He's actually Bob Costas's favorite player of all time. We We interviewed him on the Just Baseball show, and he said – Ichiro Suzuki is maybe not his ultimate favorite player, but definitely within some of his favorite players. But let's talk about the MVP right now to wrap, because that is Aaron Judge. The Aaron Judge that's in 100th percentile and average exit velocity, 97th and max, 100th in hard hit rate, 100th in X-WOBA, 97th in X-Batting average, 100th in x slugging, 100th in barrel rate. I just wanted to read over those, just so we yeah. understand how hard... Aaron Judge is hitting the ball and he's slashing 313 with a 383 on base and a 680. What is that? 688 slugging to give him a 1071 OPS. He was my preseason pick to win MVP. My only question to you is do you think he can keep this up?
3: I mean, yeah. Uh, you just you just did all the the advanced metric talk that would, would be required to talk about if this is sustainable. The guy hits the ball harder than anyone. And if I was a Yankees fan, I would go to sleep looking at his baseball savant page. It would just make me happy and and rest easy at night. This guy is unbelievable. And if you want to talk about like MVP right now, Mike Trout maybe has close to, if not better stats, but you also have the team element to it. The Yankees had the best record in baseball right now. They're number one in our current power rankings. They've been rolling and it's pretty easy to win a bunch of games when you have a guy in the middle of your lineup homering. Seemingly every day. I mean, 17 home runs in 42 games. It's insane. It's
2: and the insane. MV- And to your point, the MVP is a narrative game. Like when yeah. we predict our MVP, you know, someday, you know, one Soto has better advanced analytics, but Bryce Harper, the narrative just made more sense. I mean, even WRC plus Bryce Harper had a better one, but regardless it can get in the weeds a little bit right there. Aaron judge was, in my opinion, snubbed of an MVP. Back in 2017, where he won rookie of the year and he had 52 home runs. I thought he should have won the MVP that year, hasn't won one since. And if, to your point, if the Yankees are this one of the best teams in baseball, maybe they win their division or maybe they finish second, he's going to continue to be a big reason why. And everybody is always comparing, you know, Trout to Judge in the MVP race right now. And people are more on Trout, not only because he's doing slightly better right now, but because there's this belief that Judge is super injury prone. And Trout is not. When in reality, since Judge entered the league, he's played in more games than Mike Trout has. And Mike Trout, when we're talking about narrative, he's going to be in the weeds with Shohei Otani, and maybe even Taylor Ward. Probably not, but maybe Taylor Ward. But I'm saying there's multiple players on the team now. With Judge, it's clear that he is the best player on the team. Stanton's amazing, but it's clear that it's Judge. And if we look at it, you know, in 2017, he played almost a full season. Okay. 2018, he played 112 games. So he was dealing with a little bit of injury, but still hit 27 home runs, had a 920 OPS. So I wouldn't call that an injury plague season. 2019, a little bit more, 102 games. And then 2020, that's where the narrative started to happen. He was dealing with some injuries in 2018 and 2019. Then he only played half of the 2020 season. But he played 148 games last year. He's played every game this year, or at least every game without an off day where Boone will rest him. He seems to have figured out his body. The Yankees have also brought in new strength and conditioning. You know, they let a bunch of people go after the Yankees. It seemed like every single player would get injured every single day. I think Judge is going to stay healthy. He's my preseason pick to win MVP, and I'm loving him right now.
3: Yeah, and and I think there's also something to be said as it relates to the contract year thing that there is a certain psyche and, and, and all these different things that go into playing on a contract year where maybe you're not going out you know, after games and not that judge ever would have, but I'm just saying maybe you're going to bed a little bit earlier. Maybe you're eating a little bit better. Maybe you're just a little bit more locked in because you know that if you keep doing what you're doing, if you're Aaron judge, if you just replicate that quarter of the season that you just had, and you put up a 60 home run MVP season, hell, even if you then lead the Yankees to a world series, the amount of money that's at stake here. I mean, the guy got offered 213.5. Would it be shocking if he got to 400, if he just, I, I, maybe, maybe. That's the only
2: thing. It's because he's 30. He's going to be 30 oh, yeah, as 30. a free agent. So, so
3: I was even talking with a couple wait. of
2: people yesterday yeah. that, you know, I was, I was even talking to my roommate and I was said, it's going to be funny when Aaron judges a met for 12 years, 365 million. He was like, yeah, bring him here. I'm like, you want that? Do you want that? <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. Do you yeah. want that? I mean, that's a question because everyone's like, Oh yeah, of course I want that. You know, from, you know, From the first five years of the deal, are going to be great. And then you'll have to soak the rest. You want to soak the rest? Because 12 years is is a
3: lot. That's a six
2: feet seven, 280 pounds, 30 year old. Yeah. We'll see how the contract lasts. That's why I thought the Yankees should have given him a seven year deal with a ton of money already last off season. I wrote an article saying why they should. I said that they should give him like 230, 240 million over seven. Just blow them out of the water. But they didn't. And now they're. They're probably going to have to give him 300 if they
3: want to keep him. I think that the the bottom line is there's there's a certain level of player that's getting like $35 million right now. And it's hard to make the argument that he's not in that class. So I don't know how many years that is. Maybe it's a seven-year deal. Maybe if he puts together this incredible season, it's an eight-year deal. Uh, if it's eight years, 35, that's what? That's 240 on the 30. And the, it's like 280, right? Eight for 280, something like that uh, yeah, I mean, $300 million might be the most he's going to see, but if that's over seven or eight years or however much it ends up being, he's going to make a lot of money. And, and again, what he's doing right now, he's doing everything that you could possibly want. If you're his agent, he is playing this out to a T and you are just, <laughs> you're hoping that the season, you just, are just waiting for those months to, to pass by that you can get him to free agency. You see his batted ball profile. You are not worried about the
2: dead and ball at all. And when you look at how he looks right now, I'm not worried about the injury history. So that'll do it. Um, Thank you to Ryan Finkelstein again. You can find all of his work on justbaseball.com. He's a killer editor as well. So any article that you put out on justbaseball.com, more often than not, Ryan Fickelstein's is going to have his fingers all over it. So download the Loop app. I know we talked about it in the first segment. Download the Loop app. Click the link in our episode description to get a free twenty bucks. And I was thinking, Ryan, if it takes you thirty seconds to download, average that out over a minute. That's about forty dollars forty dollars a minute. Wow. Forty times sixty minutes in an hour. You're looking at twenty four hundred bucks an hour for downloading the Loop app. If you average it out over an hour, not a bad
3: deal. Not a bad deal at all. I don't deal doing all. That. You
2: got to hop on that. Hop on that as well. Jump on prize picks as well. That episode, that link is in the episode description as well. You get a full deposit match on prize picks or putting out player props, which you can follow on our Twitter at just BB media, get your just baseball merch. That's also in the episode description. You got to get your not gambling advice. T-shirts. We're also coming out with some performance long sleeves. some new hats. So stay tuned there. Those should be in our merch store in our episode description. And that'll do it for this episode of Not or of Just Baseball Show. I, I just recorded Not Gambling Advice. I'm doing it for you. Check out all of them. We have a new episode on Not Gambling Advice as well. Everyone, have a great weekend. Have a good Memorial Day weekend. And we will see you on Monday. And with that, thank you, everybody.